You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Know that grace, hope, Mercy and love are yours in abundance from the triune God. Amen. So I'm a pretty big fan of black and white photography, although if you ask me to name more than Ansel Adams, um, I probably couldn't name other black and white photographers, but I like it. It's always uh, interested me and it's always struck me that the way a photographer Uh, is able to capture a different interpretation of what most of our eyes see and and putting that image onto paper. And growing up, we had had a couple Ansel Adams prints hanging in our home, and I can remember staring at them and staring at the beauty and the simplicity of these photos. But when we start to think about it, black and white is actually, it's a misnomer for this art form. If a photo were only black and white, the subtlety of the image would be lost. Only the highly contrasted portions of the picture would show, and we would lose the detail of the image. See, the spectrum of absorption of light in the picture cannot be displayed in purely black and white form. Only that which absorbs all light and that which reflects all light shows through in these kinds of pictures. You can do this on your computer. Um, I don't know if you've ever played around with any of the like, color, the photo uh, changing settings, even if you're using Microsoft Word. But you can make people look pretty funny when you uh, change it to strictly black and white. And you lose just a lot of the depth. You lose a lot of uh, what the image represents. But I got to wondering this week as I was thinking about black and white photography, about how many of us in some way, shape, or form approach life with a a sort of a similar lens. I know that for me, there are definitely times when I prefer everything to be black and white, from decisions I need to make to the judgments I make of others. It'd be a lot easier if everyone and everything fit into nice, neat little boxes and categories, and I could go along my merry way doing everything I was supposed to without having to think or struggle or pray to move forward. But as we know, life isn't at all black and white. Rather, it's a study in more than 50 different shades of gray. But it's in the gray that life is actually lived. I rewatched a movie this week that's a satirical look at ex-gay rehab facilities. In it, the main character, Megan, is confronted by her family and friends about her lesbian tendencies, many of which she is unaware of. Uh, her vegetarianism, uh, for instance, is, is one of these. <laughs> After this confrontation, this intervention, she's shipped off to New Directions House to be healed of her ailment. Sadly for her, she is completely unaware of even the possibility that she might be a homosexual, and objects to the charges levied against her by saying, I get good grades. I go to church. 
I'm a cheerleader, thus giving the movie its title. The rest of the movie is about Megan coming to live in the gray areas of life between the certainty of right and wrong that she thought she knew at the beginning of the film. While obviously being a work of fiction, there are probably some lessons for all of us about living in the gray areas of life that we could learn from Megan and from this movie, or I guess because we're in church, we could try to learn them from Jesus. You see, for Jesus' followers way back when, there was a lot of ambiguity and gray that they had been introduced to during their time with Jesus. And now with his final departure on the holy elevator into the sky, they're left with his final words pushing them out of their comfort zone and into the world. His exact words are, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That to the ends of the earth one's probably a pretty hard one. It's probably a pretty scary one. And it's really only after some guys in white robes show up and kick them in the butt do they actually get on with this whole thing. See, for all the ambiguity and gray areas that they had been introduced to while Jesus was around, His absence makes those areas even harder to deal with. Without Jesus around to arbitrate, how will they know what to do? How will they know who to interact with? How will they discern what is the right path? Jesus' message had been one of redefining black and white and right and wrong in the religious context that they found themselves But Jesus had reinterpreted it with the harder to live but more hospitable setting of grace. Jesus pushed the black and white boundaries of race, of gender politics, of cleanliness, and so much more to expand the embrace of God's love in the world. And now they were being called to do the same. In the prayer that John recorded, Jesus prayed that his followers would be one within the messiness of this new vision of the religious life. His prayer wasn't that his followers would all think and do and be the same. The unity of his followers came amidst the diversity of their life experience. It came against the backdrop of each of their fears and anxieties. And it came and spoke into all of their own hang-ups. Acting out of all those places, the first disciples, like we today, fumbled the whole unity thing pretty quickly. They got into squabbles about small and large parts of their life together, seeking to follow the way of Jesus. They, like us, sought to put people into boxes. They, like us, sought to define who was in and who was out. Thankfully... We don't do too much of that here in this place called house. I think part of it, and a large part of it, is due to our owning of our name. We are indeed a house for all sinners and saints. And since I have been working with you all, I've been asked on a number of occasions, which we have more of here, (laughs) sinners or saints? And as I've come to be a part of this place and to get to know many of you more, my answer has changed. And I'll let you figure out which way I have changed it. (laughs) In all seriousness, 
this is one of those um, when Nadia's away, don't tell her this kind of things. But my perspective has changed because of my reading of a certain someone with the last name Luther. You see, the and in the name of this church doesn't denote a boundary. It doesn't denote a dividing line with saints over here and sinners over there. The and is a statement of understanding that we are all at the same time both saint and sinner. Except for Ludwig, who falls squarely into one of those categories. (laughs) Again, you get to decide which one. See, Martin Luther's Simul Istus et Peccator, or simultaneously saint and sinner line, for those of us who are non-Latin speakers, is the ultimate statement that we live in the midst of ambiguity and are reliant totally on the mysterious grace of God that we know through and in Jesus. It's a statement of our need for God's love not only to live in the gray areas of life, but to invite others to do the same. Simulustus et peccator is a way of saying simply, hey, we're all in this together. None of us has our shit all the way together. Let's choose love over judgment and mercy over fear. And I hope that we can remember this the next time we try to fit life into a nice, neat box. I hope we can remember that when we think God can't love us because we're too focused on the sinner part, that God does and God is here. I hope that we can remember that the gray parts of our lives are what add beauty to our world. I hope that we can remember that our unity comes amid our diversity and that Jesus' ultimate prayer was that we would all come to rest in the confidence of his presence amid absence. I thank God for all the gray and for the mystery of divine love that makes that gray beautiful here in this place and out in the world. Amen. sermons are meaningful for you, we invite you to support the congregation, and you can do that at houseforall.org. There's a PayPal button there. Also, we'd love for you to come and join us for liturgy. We meet at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Sundays at 2201 Dexter in Denver.